Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, parents, and welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam, and today I am really looking forward to this conversation with Rebecca Marcus. Um, Rebecca specializes in anxiety, which has been an enormously big topic lately. So we are really just going to dig right in with Rebecca. So Rebecca, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you here. So wonderful to be here. So can you tell us a little bit first about who you are and why you do what you do? Sure. Um, So I'm a psychotherapist, a licensed clinical social worker in the New York City area. And I work with young adults in their 20s and 30s. And I also work with teens and preteens, or I guess tweens, we're calling them tweens. (laughs) Um, I specialize in anxiety and relationships, whether it's family relationships or um, dating and romantic relationships. Um, And I take a trauma-informed approach um, using mindfulness-based skills as well as CBT and other um, dynamic techniques. And um, I'm really passionate about helping people heal from um, life's challenges and reclaim their voice and really live an empowered, meaningful life. How did you get into that? I mean, specifically like anxiety and overcoming that. Yeah, so I think um, I, just sort of saw a need for it, Um, like in myself, like in school, seeing just kind of how people react. I was definitely a more sensitive child and adult. And I think, you know, that definitely can be a strength. Um, A lot of therapists are more intuitive and empathic, but we also, you know, might be more prone to anxiety. So I think um, kind of learning different tools and ways to manage it for myself so that I could use it as a strength, the sensitivity, as opposed to something that maybe held me back, um, led me to want to share that with other people as well. And you see it so much. I recognize it in kids and parents. Um, and I think a lot of times people don't realize that they're anxious. Mm. Um, so they just think that they're stressed or they're irritable, but I think being able to give it a name and understand what's happening, why your body is doing this, and um, tools to manage it can really improve quality of life, relationships. Yeah, a lot. So right there, you're saying, how do we define or know the difference between stress and anxiety? And I think that's an enormous question, not only in ourselves, but also, you know, with our teens, how do we know when it's kind of gone over the line to become anxiety? What do we look for? Totally. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, So there's obviously different signs, like physical symptoms that one's body might give off, but um, sometimes, you know, trouble with sleep, difficulty focusing, um, easily distracted, you know, sometimes we might see like racing heartbeat, sweaty palms, if there is more kind of panic, 
Um, and I think just, you know, general sort of like chronic worrying often I think can be a sign that anxiety is happening or when, you know, it's prolonged versus um, after a stressful event is over, they're still around. I think it's been tricky with COVID because um, <laughs> in terms of the stress cycle, we haven't really sort of had that rest period. We've kind of like been on this high alert now for a, a full year. Um, so our nervous system has sort of been activated in that kind of fight or flight mode for a while. And we're sort of in, even if we're in this like lower stress level, um, I think it's affecting everyone and there's so much uncertainty as well. Yeah. And we were, we were just kind of mentioning too, it's like, even though we're ready for this to end and our teens are ready for this to end, we've kind of gotten a little bit used to and settled into this life. And now mm -hmm. that the vaccine's getting out there and people are going back to school, what are you seeing now? What is kind of the, the, new, the new change that you're seeing when it comes to anxiety? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm seeing this both in like the younger kids, like the kind of preteens and teens, as well as adults, but definitely with the kids, um, anxiety about going back to school in person, or if they have sort of done like a hybrid model, then it, it's gotten shut down. They didn't really like how the hybrid model was. They've gotten used to school on Zoom. Even if it's not ideal, they're kind of used to it. And especially for the ones that had some social anxiety in the past, um, while there is anxiety about kind of raising your hand on Zoom, I think they feel a little bit more like protected. So a lot of anxiety about going back and, you know, sometimes that's causing conflict with parents um, as well. If the parents are saying, okay, like you're going to have to start going back soon or we'd like you to try the hybrid model. A lot of parents are working from home, so it's also hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think um, starting to, help prepare kids for what that's going to be like and kind of talking through what their fears are and discussing ways to cope with it. And also with parents, you know, um, helping them to maybe validate some of the fears that are coming up before getting into that, um, that power struggle that sometimes happens. Let's dig into that more, please, because yeah. I know a lot of parents are like, I don't know how to help them. You know, in all of our efforts, we try different things and they, like you said, they kind of backfire. It gets into a power struggle or it makes things worse. And we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> How do we help them? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think just for parents, helping them to also be aware of their own anxiety that's coming up, their own stress and their own sort of fluctuations in emotions. Um you know, and getting in the habit of like labeling that and like modeling to their kids, like, you know, mom's feeling a little bit stressed right now. Like I'm going to do some breathing, um, you know, especially teens, like they don't always really want to do coping skills, but if they see their parents modeling it, then it's more of a go-to thing or parents are like, we'll do it together. Um, I know sometimes, you know, it's, it's, can be hard. And I think there's like a push to just say like, okay, like they need to just do that. But I mean, you work with teens, like if they're told what to do by their parents, they're not always going to want to oh, do it. No, it's the last thing they want to do, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, I this has been like a rough year for everyone, even though I think, like we've said, there have maybe been some silver linings, which is interesting. Um, but it, in general, I think it's been stressful and um, there have been like 
they're saying kind of developmental like um, stunts with kids or if people, you know, in more rural areas where maybe they didn't even have access to Wi-Fi or um, like technology, they've maybe lost like some of the, like that they've behind, edu educationally they've fallen behind um, or for kids that it didn't work well for, they've also fallen behind. So I think it's kind of a combination of things, but I think for parents being able to just pause and notice when they're feeling frustrated, do some things to help themselves regulate, and then kind of modeling that to kids and explaining to them, like, it's normal to be nervous. I think first validating before trying to solve the problem, I find can be helpful. It's definitely difficult, but usually then there's a little bit more space. I think one thing I really want to call out that you said that is so important is we want to fix and that's not what our kids need. Our kids just need to be heard. And so I think when we jump in right away and we hear a problem, and that's natural, it's human nature, right? Especially totally. parent, we want to fix things for our kids. Mm -hmm. But that is when we jump in and try to fix it, what they're hearing is we're not understanding the problem. We're not relating to how difficult this is. And we kind of undermine that difficulty to them rather than just saying, yeah, this is, you know, I hear you and I can understand why this feels stressful to you. And what about it is stressful, right? So we can kind of help them problem solve. Rather right. Than and put it into words. Yeah. Um, so there was a few things too. So another thing I really wanted to kind of call attention to, because you had said like the silver lining, which I know we had talked about before too. So as we go back, what are some of the things that we've now learned um, during this time, which I think has forced us to learn some things that we weren't learning before? What can we take with us that will help reduce anxiety moving forward? Because people were, kids were pretty darn anxious before all this happened. Let's totally, right? yeah. <laughs> so where, what can we learn from this experience that we can, used to adapt to make sure our kids don't fall back into the same level of anxiety for those reasons that were before this. Yeah, I mean, I think sort of tapping into the idea of resilience and maybe um, helping kids to recognize some areas of strength or some like achievements that have gone well for them or if there are um, like, you know, some coping skills or self-soothing techniques that have worked to kind of talk about that. Um, and also letting them know like this was a big challenge, but you know, you've gotten through this. I think sometimes recognizing that, that really helps us to prepare for future challenges because they, they're inevitably gonna come up. Um, we can't really prevent that. Yeah. So I think being able to kind of reflect on how we got through um, something in the past that was difficult, even if it was hard, um, helps to build resilience. You know, and maybe also some of the things like if there was more family time together or there were maybe activities that developed that were nice, like to kind of continue finding ways to do those things. Um, you know, and also some of the digital things that we've learned, I think can still, um, it seems like they're going to kind of be carried with us into this new post-pandemic world. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, kind of noticing what were the things that were good about it? What were the challenges? Um, and also, you know, I think sometimes like just helping 
like kids to process, whether it's through some sort of like, like narrative therapy or just talking about it or, you know, through play um, to just sort of make sense of like, well, what happened in this past year for you? What was it like? Um, I think can be useful. And also, you know, maybe like when they can connect with their peers as well about it, sometimes Mm -hmm. that can help too. Or parents connecting with other parents, like shared experiences, I think can help to build resilience and uh, strength. That's, that's wonderful. So it is, it's like, here is evidence that you can survive this, right? This is evidence that you are resilient because look what you just did and validating. This was a really, really tough time for all of us. And look, you made it through. So I love that. The other thing I really want to call out is the family time, which is one of my big things is that it's forced us to spend family time. And I think, you know, some people are like, oh my God, I'm so over family time. I don't, I don't want to see my family ever again. Right. But I think what, I mean, studies have shown is that spending time with family is actually one of the best protectors against anxiety and against, you know, mental negative mental health, it's having that relationship with your family. So being able to prioritize is one thing I know I'm really hoping people will continue doing is Mm -hmm. saying, this is really important. We need to find time to do this rather than overbooking with all the activities. And so I want to ask you too, when it comes to all the activities, and I know this one people struggle with so much um, because oh, totally. at least in our area, and I think a lot of areas, we want to make sure our kids have all the possible experiences and lessons and tutors that they possibly can to help them succeed. But what do you see? And I, I don't want to prime you on this because I may be wrong, but what do you see when it comes to all of the activity? in terms of anxiety. Yeah, no, that's such a great point that you bring up. I mean, I think it, yeah, kids can get a little bit overwhelmed or overstimulated. And then they also don't really know what to do with downtime. Um, you know, now that yeah. they've had it, they're just going to their screens. They haven't, they haven't really sort of just had a little time to relax or read. Um, yeah. And I think it's so normal, especially, you know, in certain areas where it feels like kind of there's this pressure to keep up with everybody else with the activities. Um, But I think, you know, knowing that like if parents are present and they're able to be there for their kids, that that's really what kids need. Um, So it's good for them to have activities, but maybe it's kind of asking them like, what what do you like? Like, Mm -hmm. and like kind of keeping it maybe to like a few versus overbooking. um, Cause I think kids can get a little overwhelmed or overstimulated. Yeah. And burnout and exactly. Yeah. Which leads to anxiety, anxiety, exactly. (laughs) That stress cycle. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think especially as we kind of like go back um, or whatever that looks like, you know, um, it's going to be a little bit different, but kind of like easing into it gradually, Mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of just like, okay, we're back. Let's load everything up at once. I think, you know, just allowing for sort of that adjustment period. I think there's another thing with that too that I'm hearing is like a lot of parents are saying we've been very kind of loose in what we're expecting, particularly when it comes to screen time. Yeah. We've really let that go. We've let other things go. And now all of a sudden things open up. How do you recommend people kind of get back into 
what they feel is acceptable without kids melting down. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we just go, okay, no more screen time or this is done and we just pull it from them, that I can guarantee is going to definitely going to start a fight. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. So what do we do instead? Yeah, I think, I mean, I always sort of take the approach of like baby steps or what creates more of that lasting foundation of change or sort of more slow, subtle shifts. Um, also maybe explaining some of the rationale behind it. So maybe just like slowly starting to limit some of the minutes or saying like, all right, at this time, we're going to start to wind down and maybe like, um, you know, gently kind of like redirecting kids to like something else or like having like a meal prepared at that time um, or maybe changing when the screen time is to a little bit of a later time, you know, like before meal time. So then they can say like, all right, now screen time is at this time. Um, and just having like saying like, at, you know, I mean, I think that it's natural that there'll be a little bit of resistance, but it, kids also, I think most people do better with some sort of structure. Mm -hmm. So just kind of slowly reinforcing it. And then, it, you know, like with even like a few minutes or like an hour um, and beginning to introduce other things as well. I think that's kind of the approach I would suggest. Yeah. And one of the other things just to add to that, that I think has works for um, the families that I've worked with is involving the teens or teens mm -hmm. in that decision. So when we're saying, hey, we've been really lax about screen time for this reason and we get it but here's why I'm concerned about too much screen time what do you guys think about that what do you need what do you use your screens for what do you get out of it and what solutions do we let's all come up with solutions on how do we reduce it together because then they're going to be more bought in than if we again you just you said too like when we tell our teens what to do they are wired to push back I mean, totally. it is, it's, that's in their brain. That's why every teen does it. It's not because every teen is trying, every teen is wired to do that. That's how, right? So when we go against that, we're creating stress. We're creating that, you know, conflict rather than saying, how do we do this in a way that's not going to create, or at least create a significantly less resistance and conflict. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think taking that team approach makes a big difference. Totally. Yeah. I, I think I see that even I've done sort of like star charts or behavioral charts with families and like having the um, child or the teen involved in creating that and deciding what they want, the prizes are, the activities, they're so much more motivated to want to do that. Um, yeah, and it does create, I think, also a sense of the, um, like the teen or the child feeling more respected, mm -hmm. um, like their opinion is valued. Yep. And that's all they want. They want to be heard, 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 heard. Um, and I think that's big. So I, this has been wonderful, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. How do people find you? Yeah, this has been really great. Thank you so much, Dr. Cam. Um, so I can be found online on my website, rmpsychotherapy.com. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram, and that is rm.psychotherapy. Um, 
or on my Facebook page, which I'm a little bit less active on, but also RM Psychotherapy. My name's Rebecca Marcus, so it's like right. Rebecca so Marcus Psychotherapy. The yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll have all that in the show notes so people can find you. And then any last words of encouragement for parents with teenagers? I think just to um, make sure to also take care of yourself um, mm -hmm. because, you know, um, prioritizing your own self-care will help you to show up in a more present, loving way with your teens. Um, and it also models to them the importance of taking care of yourself. And so I think, you know, start, modeling is a really big thing that I, I recommend. I, even for myself, I try to model that with my clients. That is such good advice. Yes, take care of yourself because your teens are watching how you care for yourself to learn how to take care of themselves. So right. I think that is wonderful. Thank you again so much, Rebecca. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, this was so great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us. If you found any of this wonderful advice from Rebecca useful, please like, comment, share, especially share with somebody else that could use this information. We would really appreciate that. And I'm sure they would too. So have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.